Sunday's political events in Brazil put to rest any argument that our country's institutions are working properly. In a wild day, an appellate judge tried to release former president Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva from prison at all costs, while the judges who convicted Lula worked tooth and nail to keep him behind bars despite being on vacation. Once again, Brazil's most polarizing figure is at the center of a legal controversy. His case, though, sheds light on a much deeper problem within Brazil's justice system. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, and this is Explaining Brazil. For a country that loves soap operas, none has been filled with so many twists and turns as the case of Operation Car Wash versus former Brazilian President Lula. In a very funny tweet, political analyst Oliver Stucco said that when God said, let there be breaking news, it was when he created Brazil. In fact, Brazil has been anything but boring. And to discuss what the hell is going on, I'm here today with Diogo Rodriguez, a staff writer for the Brazilian Report. Hello, Diogo. Hello, Gustavo. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. Kind of confused, but, you know. <laughs> I think we all are. And that's my first question to you, actually. What the hell is going on? I mean, as any journalist, I have pushed notifications for breaking news on my phone. And I remember on Sunday morning getting one message saying, Lula is going to be released from prison. Then another one saying, no, he's not. After a couple of hours, no, no, he actually is. Then, no, 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 he's not. So three times I got push notifications saying he would be left out from prison and then say, no, actually, not at all. What's going on? Well, as you said, it was a very complicated day yesterday. From 9 a.m. until 7.30 p.m., we didn't know what was going to happen with former President Lula. Uh, we had a, a judicial battle between a, a, a substitute judge and other judges that were overseeing Lula's case in the Operation Car Wash, and they were all exchanging orders and dispatches in order to try to, on one side, to release Lula on the allegation that he was being prevented from campaigning and exercising his political rights, and on the other, that he was convicted for corruption and, and accepting bribes, and he could not be released from prison on the basis of those arguments. And that went back and forth quite several times, like you said. We had some decisions for him being released, and then, again, a few minutes or a few hours later, you know, decisions telling him that, telling everyone that he would stay in jail. So that was what we saw yesterday. And, uh, I mean, why would a judge that was not overseeing his case in the first place um, have a say on this? Can you explain why was a, a substitute judge, actually? Well, uh, in theory, he has the power to... to to uh well to to issue such an order but uh, the thing is this case is so so controversial as you said and so important politically that when he did that he 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 allowed his decision to be politicized and also he allowed the other actors in the political game to uh enter the scenario and fight politically but but the judge's bio also uh makes us doubt that uh, his decisions were only based on the law, right? I mean, he was a former uh, Workers' Party member. He worked for President Lula's administration. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know what's going inside his head, so I cannot accuse him of anything. But that gives room for interpretation, right? 
Sure, sure it gives. And, uh, well, he's not the only uh, member of the judicial system of Brazil that is connected to political parties. We can, we can talk about Alexandre, yeah, we can talk about Alexandre de Moraes, who is a Supreme Court justice right now. He was, he has close ties to PSDB. I mean, the thing is about, about this, this back and forth that we saw yesterday is that in Brazil, Uh, justice is not based only on rational arguments. It's based on authority and personal authority more than more than more than anything. So what happened yesterday was like a showdown between two kinds of authority. One that was a substitute one, but that wanted to create a political uproar, and the other one was the actual authorities and the judicial system at the, the specific location where the process is is going on, and they showed that they had the last say. And, be, and the the substitute judge could not get Lula out of the out of jail. And for me, uh, looking from the outside, I mean, there are no good guys in this case because uh, at one point, I, I'm not a legal expert, but uh, I cannot agree with the substitute judge's decision in favor of Lula because he mentions that uh, he altered the the sentence execution because there was new fact and the new fact was that the workers party former formally launched lula's bid to the presidency well i mean if you're in brazil and you follow you don't have even to be a a political junkie i mean for the past two three years everybody in brazil knows that lula is a presidential candidate so i, I don't believe this characterized as a new fact at the same time The way that the judges uh, who oversee Lula's case, Judge Sergio Moro, who is some sort of celebrity in Brazil right now, and then um, the, the, the case uh, rapporteur in the appellate court, the, the fact that they reacted in a such strong fashion and so quickly on a Sunday, that also raises a question. If the first judge is acting politically, yes. are they not? Yes, and Sergio Moro was on vacation. So, exactly, and, uh, and and God knows that Brazilian judges do not stop their vacations to try <laughs> any kind of case. Yeah, well, one thing, uh, first things first. This case is very, like I said, it has very various political consequences to it. So that will, you know, that will explain, you know, the whole uh, uproar that it cre created in the media and in society. People went to protest uh, at the Lula vigil in Curitiba. And, and, and where Lula is being uh, incarcerated, right? Yes, that's where he's incarcerated. Thank you. And, uh, well, you, you were talking about, you know, uh, uh, we were talking about authority in the judicial system. And, uh Well, I'm going to talk about a concept that comes from an, an expert in this, this field that is also my brother. I have to make this, this disclaimer. But his book, José Rodrigo Rodríguez's book called How Do Courts Decide was the winner of the 2015 Jabuti uh, Award, which is the biggest uh, book award we have in Brazil in the category of law. And what he says about, you know, what happens and the way that decisions are made in Brazil is that, like I said, they depend on personal authority mainly. So um, what happens is that the jurisprudence is not always based on a rational argument. It's not based on a rational knowledge that has been constructed over the years, over the years and by, you know, both the scholars and the people who are actually 
practicing law, the judges and, and Supreme Courts and everything. That's how the decisions are made in our system. Like in the United States, whenever the Supreme Court issues a decision, they, they make like a, a whole uh, – uh, They they they, ish- they they talk a lot about precedent and uh, yeah they they publish like a a, a a a text that doesn't have an authorship is by the Supreme Court is not mm, but- that depends uh, because sometimes this the Chief Justice attributes to someone uh, the the authorship of the majority yes, opinion yes but then, but, uh, but but what becomes the majority opinion is now a text that you know it, it is the canon. And in Brazil, that doesn't happen. When the, the decision is published, they just uh, put everything together, all the other all the justices' votes together, and uh, you have the accordon. The but the accordon, but th- th- that doesn't give the rational base to the decision. Okay. Uh, in terms of constructing a narrative or ju- jurisprudence, it no, doesn't the, give a whole. So that's how we work. I mean, that w- what that judge tried to do was try to you know have he, he thought he had the authority to do something. And he tried to do that. He tried to uh, release Lula on some basis that we I, I'm not able to discuss if it's legitimate or not. But he tried to do that, and he provoked the, the whole reaction of the system. For me, though, this case is less about Lula being released or not from prison because I think Lula is experienced enough to know that it wouldn't come that easy. But I think it's a, more of a, a, a chess play from Lula because... Lula has been incarcerated since April the 7th. Uh, unless something extraordinary happens, he will not be on the ballot come October's election. But the party insists in calling him the candidate. Why? Because, well, in jail or not, Lula has 30% of voting intentions. Um, he would win the election against literally anyone right now. And the party wants the voter to identify with him. So when it comes the time to change the candidate, it will be his candidate. And voters will gravitate towards this new candidate easier, in in an easier way. Uh, And now when Lula calls the justice system's bluff and say, okay, you will have to act strongly against me. And the way that they did, I think it makes Lula's case stronger with his supporters that he's being targeted and that his case is not being treated by judges just like any other case. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. That's a, that was a very uh, clever strategy that the, that that was, you know, that was a workers party strategy to uh, call Sergio Moro's bluff. And, and they, they made it. They, he 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 bit the bait. He, he manifested himself during his vacation. We know Global told, you know, they have some, uh, they had a story that didn't, that didn't have a, a, an official source, but they said that Sergio Moro phoned the, 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 the chief of the federal police in, try, in, in order to enforce his, 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 you know, his opinion that Lula shouldn't be released. I think they expected exactly what happened is that, you know, the, the whole uh, logic of this power of how the judicial system is working was exposed for everyone to see. And I think they managed to do that. They weren't expecting Lula to be actually released. Like you said, that 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 is something that, you know, it's almost impossible. It's too good right to now. be true for them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, even though it is said that Lula, you know, packed up his things and, you know, just to just to be prepared in case he was he was actually going to be released. 
But I think that was, you know, that was a way that the Workers' Party found to put Sergio Moro in the political game again. And he was, you know, out of the spotlight. He has been out of the spotlight for some months now. And they, they brought him back. The, the, the Workers' Party is calling foul play on Operation Car Wash, calling it a witch hunt and saying that they use they are tampering with the judicial system to take Lula out of the equation. And uh, when Moro does that, well, he adds fuel to the fire. But actually, as much as I think it's a brilliant strategy from uh, the Workers' Party standpoint, towards their militants, towards... Uh, the guys that are already supporting the, the Workers' Party. I think for the general voter, that could backfire. Because what we saw on Sunday is a complete mess. Uh, it's not how you would expect a normal, f properly functioning judicial system to work. And uh, we have one candidate that says that the institutions cannot be trusted anymore, that everything must be changed and order must be established, even if by force. And that guy is Jair Bolsonaro, the far-right candidate. I mean, I'm scared that this guy could capitalize on the mess that the judicial system is right now and um, get some more votes because he has stalled on polls. He, yes. he has got into 20% and then He's there, not moving up or down, but that could fuel his candidacy. Yes, and uh, and and f some studies have shown that uh, some of the electorate that will vote for Lula will also vote for Jay Bolsonaro. So that that could be something, you know, if if the the discourse of everything is wrong, so let's you know just blow everything up and put someone who is going to you know take charge of everything and and change the country. If that's something that appeals to to people, and then he has a chance of, you know, getting not a, not a good part of those votes, but you know, some part, and that would be that would be very uh, that would be something important in a, such a, a unpredictable election like we're seeing, we probably will see at the end of the year. But I don't know. Everything is so uncertain right now that I don't. It's a good. It's a very good uh, hypothesis, but I don't really know what's going to come out of this. And uh, I Nobody think, does right yeah, now. yeah, that's the thing. I mean, uh, I think our listeners must understand that everything is so confusing in Brazil right now, and we we make an effort to try to explain things. But even ourselves, uh, journalists and 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 specialists and experts and scholars, they don't know what to to say sometimes because it's very hard to to know what's going on. Exactly. So. And uh, right now, like you said, we don't even know who's going to be on the ballot. Exactly. Because. Parties are deciding their candidates in August. Then we'll have a clearer picture. Because right now, 41% of voters don't yeah. even know who they're voting for. I mean, that's unprecedented in Brazil's uh, democratic history. Yes, the, the indecisiveness that people think that is all, it's only on the left because of Lula's position. But it's not, it's not only on the left. On the right, they're, they're having trouble. The PSDB doesn't doesn't know yet who's going to be the the, the candidate the the social democratic the party. social democratic party yes and it, uh, the, they have a, they're having a battle between two of their most their strongest uh, political figures uh, strongest we, is a better speech because well, strongest uh, in the sense of you know <laughs> of, of gaining votes <laughs> no no I, I know but I mean uh, Geraldo Alckmin a former governor of São Paulo who uh, served four terms as governor of the wealthiest state in Sao Paulo, he's pulling at 6%. Yeah. Strong is a... 
Well, that's what they have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that's what they have. And, and he's a very he's, – he's, he might not be strong on polls right now, but he's someone who – he has very strong political power within his party and outside of his party, and he has a good – he has good dialogue with all, all, sor all, all sorts of parties in the, the, the right spectrum. So he's not someone to be, you know, uh, underestimated. Yeah. No, it's funny because this this election is very contradicted in a lot of ways. And one t one point is, everybody is against the establishment. Nobody trusts institutions like political parties, politicians, Congress, the Supreme Court. And yet, every single outsider that tried to get into this election uh, got out. I mean, no one actually materialized into a, a candidate. All candidates are part of the establishment. Yeah, because it's it's hard to be an, an outsider in, in, in a system that, you know, only gives prominence to insiders. Yeah. And we don't have a phenomenon such as the, the Macron uh, phenomenon in France. Uh, not, not, not yet, but I don't think it's going... We have time until the elections. But uh, the thing is, the, the, the Brazilian political system is very connected to the establishment, and we haven't seen any outsider initiatives or movements that have managed to gain popular, not support, but even popular knowledge uh, and that can challenge uh, the system right now. So it's very hard for an outsider to have a, a, an actual political relevance in terms of elections. And I, I take this opportunity to tell listeners that... Um, this is actually your first podcast here, right? Yes, this is my first time. It will not be the last because uh, next month, after uh, beginning August, me and Diogo, we're going to be here every week talking about Brazil's election, our party system, how things work, and I'm trying to explain and dissect uh, Brazil's political system and our very unpredictable presidential election. Diogo, thanks very much and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. It was great. And thanks to our listeners. If you like this podcast, please take a look at our website. It's Brazilian.report. Every day we have new content about Brazil's politics, economics, and society. We also have exclusive newsletter services if you want to be briefed on what's going on in Brazil before starting your day. Subscribe now to our free trial and enjoy all of our content for 14 days for free. It's really free. You don't have to put any credit card information. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Our Twitter handle is at Brazilian Report. That's all for now. See you next week. Thank you. Mm -hmm.